and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for this episode. Today, we are joined by Rod Griffith, President of Market Reach, a B2B marketing firm that is the marketing services partner for some of the world's most successful technology companies. Welcome, Rod. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Now, Rod, you and I have worked together for the last couple of years as co-sponsors, with our good friend Neil Barron, of course, of the Strategic Marketing Leadership Summit in Boston, which is a series of half-day events that delve into the issues faced by the marketing leadership at today's B2B technology companies. And like any good pragmatic marketers, we make sure that we talk to our audience to know what problems they're facing. And one of the things that we've heard over and over was that they were having trouble reaching and resonating with the right decision makers. And I know this is something that you've not only had to do with your own company, but that you've helped scores of other companies tackle as well. So let's dig into that now. Okay, Rod, what is the secret? How do we reach key decision makers <laughs> to accelerate revenue? Give me yeah. that silver bullet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, there, that's and, and and the answer is absolutely uh, is a very pragmatic answer, not to use the term, but uh, that there there is no secret bullet here, and that's and I always say be careful if someone's trying to sell you one of those. But it is a very sort of um, you know pragmatic approach, really, which is uh, executives are, are they're people, and you can't get hung up on 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 their level of their of uh, of their, their their titles. Nothing changes about somebody when they suddenly become an executive. When you go from manager to executive, and and oftentimes we hear our clients say, "Oh, but we're reaching executives. We have to speak differently." And that is true. You do need to speak differently, but. You don't need to get so sensitive about the the personal um, relaxed nature of your conversation. You have a brand as a company. Your brand is, includes your tone and how you communicate. And you don't need to alter that significantly to talk to executives. But you do need to uh, really understand the, the persona. And one thing I like about the the you know the pragmatic marketing framework is that you you very much separate the buyer personas from the user personas. And it's very easy for most marketers to define the user persona because that's the people who use our products. That's the people who we, we develop products and solutions for. But the actual buyers, and especially the executive decision makers, have very different personas. And you have to stop and think about um, what's you know what are the critical things that, that keeping them up at night. And that's really the secret question. It's so simple, which is what keeps them up at night. You need to be talking about things that keep your your target executives up at night, because if not, what happens is, then you're marketing a nice have, you know, something that we nice to have, but not isn't critical. You want to be marketing a gotta have, right? You want to be talking to people that really need your solution, your product, your service, because it addresses a critical issue that's keeping them up at night. So the first thing we always ask our clients is, is you know, do you understand your your true decision makers, those economic buyers, to truly understand their persona, to really understand what is keeping them up at night? And what are those two or three things that are keeping them up at night? And how do you make sure that you're addressing and communicating to them in a language that makes it very clear that you, A, understand that problem, and B, you have experience and proven experience in, in solving that problem? So it starts with understanding that that persona. The other challenge with communicating with executives is that we tend to uh, try to, we, we use traditional marketing techniques, which I call interruptive marketing, right? Most marketing, when you think about it, is, is quite interruptive. You know, it's designed to sort of say, 
hey, stop what you're doing, pay attention to me and, and listen to what I have to say, right? And, and a lot of marketing, you know, think of what your typical marketing campaigns, they're very disruptive in their, in their approach. But with executives, it's more important to really, uh, what, I, what I say, join the conversation. In other words, find out what they're already talking about, find out what they're already concerned about, find out what are those critical issues and join the conversation. Does that make sense? So, it, it, and you do that, by identifying, okay, well, where are they already talking to? What associations do they belong to? What events are they going to? Who are their influencers? Who are who are the sources of information they're already going to, to understand, communicate, and uh, and, and develop more um, information about some of these challenges and how to overcome them, and identify how can I be part of that conversation? The whole goal here is is what is is really to make your marketing more invisible. So the executive doesn't really see your marketing engine in the background, right? Um, and when you when you rely totally on more traditional marketing techniques, where you're constantly, you know, sending them email messages and sort of generic emails and and mailers and things like that, uh, they're very much aware that they're being marketed to, and and that can still be effective. But you're going to be a lot more effective if you can join the conversation and um, get visibility and engage with them in a way where they, they don't really see the engine, that it's more organic. Does that make sense? It does. And that's really interesting because I think you, you start off by pointing out that executives are people too, right? And when we talked about this before, that resonated with me in, in its both its uh, kind of aha-ness and then like the uh-huh, of course-ness of it both at once, right? When I became a VP the first time, I didn't suddenly like caviar and not cheeseburgers and french fries, right? Like <laughs> exactly. I still exactly found right. the same things funny. And, and so it's like, well, obviously that would be true for everybody else. So it's, it's recognizing that they are um, just people too. They're not some, you know, they haven't lost those kind of reactions that they would do. But then to your point, you actually take a step further. It's not just recognizing that they're people, but it's actually trying to connect to them on a more personal level. And that that's one of the tricks with the executives is is to make sure that it is more one-on-one, that you've really delved in to understand them, that you're going where they already are, and you're kind of doing a, a relationship-based marketing. Is that what, was that Absolutely. We, we call it relationship incubation. It, it, it really is slightly different, more, a little more subtle than than lead nurturing, because we don't think of them as leads. They truly are relationship incubation. You're, you're, you're identifying opportunities to join their conversation, to get on the same highway of discussion that they're already on in the vehicles and the places that already, they already exist, and to join that conversation in an organic way so they don't see your marketing engine. They don't feel like they're being marketed to. And it has to be personalized. You're far better off targeting. We have some clients in some pretty big name companies, some of our campaigns target 50, 60 people. That's it. Yeah, they're known, targeted, identified accounts. We have a lot of information about them, highly personalized, and nothing about it feels like a marketing campaign when they re- when they receive the communications or materials or anything else that we're trying to trying to get in front of them. One of the things that uh, we that we've seen companies struggle with is is trying to be personalized and coming off like stalkers. Right? Like, hello, yes. I know you were on my website yesterday. <laughs> like, no, wait, what? Uh, so how do you do that? How do you kind of find that line where it is personal and it's, and it's for them, but it doesn't have that weird 
like I know what you did last summer feel. Oh yeah. yeah, very good point. We we don't we don't we don't want to reveal that. You know, you you might have uh, significant information on the on, on your target executive contact, but we don't want to reveal that. We want to um, uh, uh, communicate and 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 uh, and approach that executive in a way that again feels organic, so that it feels natural, even though it's been completely planned. It could have been planned for months. And I'll give you a good example. Uh, a typical executive approach that I would call organic is, is would be this example. Let's say um, you've got, uh, again, a small number of executives you're targeting, you've, you've identified you know, their critical needs, you know their positions, their titles, and the, you know their, their, their backgrounds, and you identify that persona. And then you know that they're likely going to a specific event uh, to see a specific conference, and you've identified what types of meetings they're likely going to be going to at those sessions. So you work months in advance of that event to identify one of your own customers who's willing to speak at that event. And you gain get one of your customers to be willing to be a, to be a, a success story sort of presentation. And you help them develop the presentation. You help them develop their, their success story. You might even pay their way to go to the event and put them up in the hotel. You, you, know, you really want to treat them well for because they're basically marketing on your behalf. But they are a, a, a case study around a specific application or specific business challenge. And they go to that meeting and they present to that session at that trade show or that event, for example. And the executive that you've been targeting is in the audience and watches that presentation. And, and they relate to it. They go, oh, I understand this person. This is a person that has a similar challenge that I did. I have that cha same challenge. I'm liking what they're saying. I'm fascinated and interested in hearing about how they solve that challenge. And after the event, they might go up and say, hey, I really liked your presentation. Um, you talked a little bit about this software that you use to solve that problem. Uh, who was that software? And the customer says, "Oh, that's from XYZ company, and you know they've been you know they've been very helpful. They've got good service and, and know their stuff." You might want to contact so and so there, and the customer puts that executive in touch with somebody from your organization. Now that executive is treating this thing as a completely organic process. He just happened to see this this presentation by this customer. He or she engaged with that customer to identify what was the solution that was used to solve that, that customer's problem. And they proactively have now sought you out because, um, because that customer has given your name out as someone that they ought to be in touch with. And they reach out to you and you're now conversing with them about, about how you're able to um, maybe assist them with their challenges. That executive has no idea that you spent nine ten months to a year <laughs> planning the process to get in front of them. There's, they have no idea that this is part of a purposeful, planned engagement. To them, it feels completely organic. And that's just one example of, of a number of types of, of marketing approaches that can be extremely effective when you create that, that organic, sort of natural feeling process and you make the, your marketing as invisible as possible. I think that in the future, our goal will be to be invisible marketers. The successful marketers will be invisible marketers. I'm absolutely convinced of it. That's really interesting too, though, Rod, because in that scenario where we're, we're really invisible, more organic, the way we measure our success has to change, right? It's not going to be about how many likes. It's not going to be how many opens because those metrics don't make sense. So what kind of metrics would be important? It's the only thing that matters is engagements, quality engagements. Did I get, and really, most importantly, preferably face to face, but at a minimal, personal one on one engagements. Every marketing effort that we do in those person to person or P2P approaches are designed to get an executive in front of a specific named person. 
So our marketing efforts won't say, you know, contact our company or call our toll-free number or go to our website. It'll be a personal invitation from a, a named person. We did a program for Siebel once. I can talk about this because they've been bought out. But Siebel, where we did a, a mailer where we sent out basically, a, a, a you know, a, um, a what in those days was a personal display system, a sort of personal handheld, you know, a computer basically. And, and when you, when they turned it on, it had a, a message that came up with a video that said, you know, hi, uh, you know, hi, Janet. Uh, my name is David Markowitz, and I'm your I'm your assigned account executive here over X Y Z company. And basically, the whole thing was done personalized, and that was years ago. And and we've been doing that ever since, and wherever possible, to make a very personalized approach, and right away introduce that uh, person to a name just like the example i gave where the uh, when the executive went up to the customer your your customer to, to say hey i liked your your talk tell me more about the solution you used the customer knew was already given a name that they're to give out right they're given one contact name and said oh you need to talk to you know janet smith and here's her information basically the whole goal was to create a personal connection anything else impressions click-throughs opens those are nice, you know, they can certainly help you understand why something might not be working, might not be reaching there, but they're, they should not be your, your, if those are the types of things that you're focusing on metrics, it's, you're not likely going to be very successful in, uh, in, a, in a person or person type of executive approach. The other thing that stands out for me when we talk about this is often we kind of divide marketing and sales as marketing is N equals many and sales equals N equals one, right? So in marketing, I'm talking to many people. In sales, I'm to, I'm, it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And this kind of is a hybrid, right? So I imagine the alignment between marketing and sales here is even more critical. It is absolutely, it absolutely is critical. And that's because the, 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 the whole sales process has changed. And over, the, over, think about the past 10 years or 10, 15 years of the explosion of the web. Think about how much information uh, any potential customer is able to achieve long before they need to bring in a vendor, right? Uh, they, they can get benchmark data, they can get analyst reports, they can they can demonstrate, they can actually view and play with your software, for example, if you're a software company. They can watch videos and customer testimonials. They can access deep, they can see competitive comparisons, right? They can access information far, far, far more detailed than they would have 10, 15 years ago, for example. And what this has done, it it is it has pushed out out the time frame from which most, especially executives, want to engage with a vendor. They just don't, they just don't want to engage that early anymore. So if your marketing efforts are designed to be this sort of introductory, you know, early stage type of effort, you might really be hitting a uh, hitting a brick wall every time because those executives are just don't need to converse with you until much farther into the process. Secondly, it's very expensive to have your salespeople out there knocking on doors and trying to create all those connections early on in that sales cycle. Marketing is able to help um, uh, streamline the effort and reduce the cost of selling by uh, establishing those relationships, uh, nurturing and uh, incubating those relationships over time so that the salespeople are only brought in at the right point in time later on because a sales call, every sales call is very expensive. So it's a matter of synchronizing your sales plays with the way customers want to work today. Everyone, I think, agrees that the, that the sales process and the sales cycles have changed significantly. But a lot of companies have done very little to, to update their sales plays uh, to, to align with that new change. And that's really, really critical. 
Well, and I think when you're talking executives, especially in a B2B world, it's it's no it's not a numbers game. I mean, we might think of consumer marketing B2C as, you know, I, I need to get some market share for a smartphone, right? But I have all these different options. That's not true when you're talking high ticket B2B sales and you're really trying to focus on execs. There, you can't churn and burn and just hope something sticks, right? Exactly right. Yeah. And it's, the same, it's the same reason why social media, while while helpful, is is, is rarely your, your number one focus. For for marketing to the executives, they they don't have the time. They just don't have the time. I mean, you may have seen some of the recent statistics about attention spans for for people in in in, 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 in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, the, the most recent study was 2012, so it's already five years old. But even then, they had discovered um, that since the year 2000, the average attention span of the American uh, has gone down 33 percent from. Uh, from 12 seconds in the year 2000 to eight seconds in the year 2012. And it's five years since then, so we can assume it's even less. Now, to give you some perspective, this is an interesting statistic, and this has been measured. So if the average American has an eight-second attention span, probably seven or even less these days, that's, that's actually less than the attention span that's been measured for goldfish. A goldfish has a nine-second attention span. So we can keep the attention <laughs> of a goldfish longer than we can keep the attention of Americans and, and Canadians, for that matter. So it really is critical that we uh, um, rethink what we're communicating and how we're communicating to recognize that you've got you've got at most eight seconds to to basically explain three critical things. Who are you? Right? <laughs> Who are you? What do you do? And for whom do you do it? Which is basically your, your most mm. your, your basic value proposition, right? If, if they don't understand what your value is and don't understand what you can do for them in that in that eight seconds, you've lost their attention and they moved on. They moved on. So it's that attention span issue is really really critical, and and the way to do that is sort of a very three simple basic rules about you know, creating communications that can that can achieve that, which is has to be obviously very engaging, right? So that's why we're moving to telling stories and 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 really communicating in a way that is much more creative and more interesting and more engaging. The second thing, it's gotta be relevant. They have to immediately recognize that what you're discussing isn't just an interesting story, but has direct relevance to again what I talked about earlier one of those critical things that keeps them up at night, right? So if you're talking about something that's a critical issue that keeps them up at night, they're going to stay engaged, right? And the third thing is, and this is often missed in a lot of communications, is that you need to be in communicating something that's actionable. The whole point of the communication is to move that relationship to the next level down the path, right? And and there's a sort of a fear sometimes of acting, of, of, um, of asking for that action. But, but we should be constantly gently uh, asking our executives to move farther on the path of us, spend more time with us, learn more about us, let us come in and talk to you. Um, some example of a campaign that has been very successful is when we bring in and partner up with a third-party analyst or a, a, um, an industry expert where we sponsor that expert to come in with us to make, in with our client, I should say, to make a joint discussion call on the executive and say, hey, we're going to be in your town next week, and uh, I'm here with, uh, you know, an, uh, an expert from Gartner Group or whatever the organization, and, and we're going to, we want to come talk to you about um, about some of our findings in a recent research. Now, that's something they're not going to get in, in, uh, off, of, off a website, or and they're not going to get it from the expert in their company either. They're not going to get from the expert. And that's the other thing, too, is your information that you provide has to be something they can't get 
from the kind of trusted sources they go to within their own company and among their peers and friends, basically. So. Well, I think the idea of a custom call to action for execs is often missed. Either to your point, they don't do a call to action or make it actionable, or it's just call us, right? Call the same 800 number we send everyone else to. Yeah. Uh, but 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 your your example there is a very specific exec oriented spot. Um, do you have other examples of great sort of exec focused call to actions? Yeah, I mean the things like uh, setting up a concierge service where you've got a special person assigned who's an expert and saying, hey, we have an expert that's going to be you know who's we've assigned to you. I mean, it, really, I look at what what's been successful in reaching me. You know, there's certain credit card companies that do a great job of of reaching out to me with saying, hey, we have a special number for you to call. This is with a, with a person who you know and you know the name of, and here's their picture, and there they're waiting for you, for example. But the best or more proactive things where you're saying, where you again, where you're giving them a reason to 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 communicate with you to to keep in front of them basically so it, it can be things um, uh, you know again it, it's taking advantage of um, you might have for example a recent success story proof points executives love to hear about what their peers are doing I mean when you think about it here what because people have always asked me well what what value do we have what can we other than telling us about telling them about our products what our product does which should be the last thing on your mind in those early discussions, right? They, they ask, well, what can we talk about? What do we have to offer that, that executives would be interested in if we don't tell them all about our products, basically? And, and the reality is you've got a, a lot of things. You know, you have insights and perspectives that they don't have because you have access. You, you know, some of many of your clients could be their competitors, for example. So you have access to what's going on in the marketplace that they don't have easy access to. You've got technical expertise. You, know, you, you may have vision of where the technology is going and how the platforms are changing or how the, uh, what the vision uh, for where the roadmap of the product is going that, that they don't have, for example. Um, you may have new approaches that have been tried and that, that they've never heard about, for example. And, and also, you've got connections. You know people. You have conversations. You know consultants. You know other organizations that that executive um, might be interested in, in, in getting access to. So you have to really think about, well, what's the value that we provide? What are, what is the, you know, where can we get their attention with information? Again, most critically, information that can't get readily through their known sources and contacts. Excellent. Thank you. All right. So what else? What else do we know about our, our good executive friends? We know we want to make it actionable. We know we want to make it relevant. We know we want to make it gauging. And of course, to make it relevant uh, means you really have to understand them, right? Yeah, you, you, know, you got to understand. And you have to recognize that uh, that it's all a timing game. I mean, one of the, the flaws in most sort of traditional marketing, I think of a, like email campaigns where, you know, you do, a, you launch, a, whatever the type of campaign, you launch a campaign and every X number of weeks you relaunch, you know, another wave of the campaign. And you hope that something happens to reach somebody. When you think about all the things that have to, to go right, to get a response, right? I mean, in an email campaign, it has to, the email has to be accurate, right? It's got to reach the person's inbox. It can't be filtered out by the spam filter. The subject line has to has to relate to the person. They actually have to read it and go, oh, that's interesting. I think I might want to open this. They have to open it. And then the body of the email has to communicate something, again, relevant, you know, engaging and actionable, right? Right away. And they actually have to decide that this is important enough on my list of priorities to actually respond to it by clicking through to a web Website or making that phone call, right? All the so there's a lot of stars that have to line up just right to get every response. And the reality is, is that most of the people that you reach, by and far, in any type of campaign, are not going to be 
uh, ready for that conversation or ready for that action at that time. And you have to acknowledge that. And, and a lot of campaigns don't do that. They, they, they see what sticks, they measure the responses, and they assume everyone else is a non-lead, basically. And that's not true. They're, they're not necessarily unqualified leads. They're just not leads right now. They could be a fantastic lead in six months or a year or even two years. So the goal needs to be, okay, well, if I can't, obviously number one goal is to, is to find those few low-hanging fruit that really are interested in engaging now. But don't just ignore the rest and say, oh, they're non-respondents, they're not interested. Don't assume that at all. Assume that they may likely be interested somewhere down the path and give them a reason to establish a relationship with you so that you have the right to now communicate to them on a regular basis with valuable, engaging information that's useful to them in their jobs and their careers so that when the light bulb goes off a year from now and they're sitting in their president's office or the CFO's office and or at the board meeting and someone says, darn it, we've got to do something about this, we need to fix this situation, you want that light bulb to go off in that, that person's head that goes, oh, I know who I need mm, to talk to. Mm -hmm. I know who I need to talk to. And that's not going to happen if the last thing they saw from you was an email wave that you sent them you know, a month ago, for example. So you have to have... Uh, be thinking about in every campaign that we do, we think about a parallel effort. Number one, of course, go after the low hanging fruit and identify people that really are in need of your products or services and identify a way to engage with them now. But don't ignore the rest and call them disqualified or unqualified or non-leads or non-interested. Assume that they're just not ready now. They haven't made the connection that your solution solves a critical problem because the problem isn't just isn't high enough on their list of priorities. It's not keeping them up at night. It's not one of the issues they're keeping up at night. Okay, but it might be in six months, nine months, or two years. Mm. So what can you do to engage and nurture that relationship? There you go, relationship you know, um, incubation, basically. How do we incubate that relationship over time so that when the need arises up their, their sort of ladder of needs, critical needs, and it becomes on that red, that red hot list of critical issues, suddenly they realize they need to do, finally start to do something about it. You are the natural uh, answer to their problems because they're already aware of you. They understand your value. They understand your value proposition and what you offer. They see that you have insights and expertise because they've been getting your newsletters or maybe they saw one of your customers talk at a conference, like my earlier example. For, you know, and they don't. They, they, you have the in. You have the uh, the opportunity uh, to engage with them much faster than any competitor because you have the credibility because of that ongoing um, relationship incubation effort that you've made. So what we always do, and very simply, here's a very simple tactic. In your marketing campaigns, always have two offers. The first offer designed for the people that, who are ready to talk now, who have a need, who perceive, understand the need, and who are that low-hanging fruit. But have a second offer. And the second offer is not a, uh, an offer to sell anything. It's not an offer to engage in any sales conversation. It's literally an offer to establish a relationship because you have valuable insights, information, expertise, contacts, uh, and, and knowledge that's going to help them in their jobs, basically, and create that secondary offer. And that, and by the way, the beauty of it is it costs so very little to make that secondary offer. You're already designing and building a campaign and creating the materials to go out and reach these people. Adding the secondary offer is, is usually, it's usually probably less than 10% of the cost in addition, but can significantly improve the value that that campaign or that marketing initiative brings back to your company. Awesome. All right, Rod, we talked about 
a lot of stuff today. And if you were to pick two things that you wanted people to do differently tomorrow, based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Well, I think uh, number one, you know, uh, if, if it's sort of, sort of that bumper sticker, um, uh, you know, um, uh, think globally, act act, act uh, locally. You may have seen. Yes. Well, really, it's, it's sort of think globally, act personally. You have to um, identify. Uh, exactly who you own reach and reach and act in, in a personal approach matter. Think organic. Try to be an invisible marketer. Uh, it's really, really critical. Think about how you can, uh, and again, just because you have information, just because you know they came to your website yesterday, just because you know they went to your seminar, you don't have to reveal that. You have no obligation to reveal that. It's nothing unethical about not revealing it. It's simply using information to engage in a way that's going to be of more use to them in the long term, right? So mm-hmm. uh, think about it that way. And then, and I think as you brought up earlier on, which is, um, Stop fearing executives and stop treating them like uh, that they're that they're some sort of uh, special category of people that act differently. We have so many clients, you know, when we first try to um, help them um, develop these these sort of we call these upreach programs, right? You know, an upsell program is when you're upgrading the products or services that you're trying to sell. An upreach program is you're trying to call higher into the account. So, and and that's a critical strategy these days is to upreach into your companies because more and more of the decisions are being made at at higher levels in the company, as you know. So, uh, but in the process, um, we have so many clients that will say. Well, you know, uh, that that campaign idea of sending out a box with a little, you know, a T-shirt in or something, you know, to get their attention and get and, and ask them to meet with us. That that might work for our, our, our users or for those mid-level managers, but that won't work for executives. And and the answer is always, well, why? They're just people. You know, as you said earlier, what changes about their personality? What, what changes about their likes or dislikes just because they've been named an executive? And uh, the ultimate example of that is, uh, is, is a, a story I've uh, told a few times about years ago um, when I had, uh, spent, I had the opportunity to spend three days with Steve Jobs. Now, what I mean by that is uh, I was managing a trade show exhibit uh, at a conference called Uniform. It was a new type of a Unix-focused show for the Unix platforms. And, uh, and it was a brand new show. And Steve Jobs uh, had uh, been uh, unceremoniously ousted from Apple at the time and was, was, at, was at Next Computer. And so he had a booth, a little 20 by 20 booth right next to our booth at this event. And the event being brand new was very poorly attended. And the way it was designed this, uh, with the sessions uh, during the day, we had long periods of literally virtually nobody, no customers coming through the trade show hall. And Steve Jobs, being a good, you know, a good, uh, a, a good soldier for his company, stood there for most of that of those three days and uh, and waited as I did to meet customers. And so, you know, being 20 feet away, I, I took the opportunity to go over and try to talk to him. You know, figure what the heck. He's an interesting guy. I'd love to understand a little some of his perspectives. And as you can imagine, I'm sure you read about him. He's not the most friendliest <laughs> and approachable people. Uh, you know, he's frankly he was you know, he was pretty. I don't want to say rude, but he was very dry. Let's just use the word dry. He was not easily approachable. And you probably figured out by now that I'm pretty relaxed around almost anybody. And uh, and I was I was almost challenged by okay, he's, I'm not getting through to him. I'm not connecting in any way. And um. I was just, uh, I was trying my best and friendly, friendly. I wasn't trying to pitch anything. I was just simply trying to pass the time to have some conversation that might be interesting. And, uh, you know, I already had 10 years of experience in the industry. I thought we could converse on something of, of, of a relatable topic. 
And it wasn't working well until I think it was the end of the second day when I happened to be walking back to my booth holding uh, a, a pile of little, basically these little handout um, tchotchkes that we had developed, which basically was a fake license plate. It was a, a, a fake uh, New Hampshire license plate that had the word Unix across it. And if you know the New Hampshire motto in the license plates, the motto is live free or die. And so the relation was Unix was it was an open platform and the and the and the technical community loved this sort of this sort of correlation of Unix to the live free or die motto. So we created up these license plates and they were very popular at these trade shows. And I was walking by and Steve saw me with those and he called me over and said, Hey, uh, what do you got? <laughs> I, was, I was I was like, Whoa, you know, this is the first time he ever called me over to the and he just stared at it. He giggled and said, these are great. Can I get some more? <laughs> and I just gave him the stack that I had. And that opened the door to, you know, a completely different relationship on that, on the, on the, for the rest of the event. He, he, he knew my name. He would chat. He was, he was personable. And, uh, and I walked away thinking, wow, you know, I didn't even think to give him one of these. But I thought, he's Steve Jobs. What does he want with a $1.55 fake license plate, you know? Um, and it really stood in me as as a perfect example of that whole message that, you know, you can't um, get too caught up in the level of stature of their position. They're people. They respond to the same things, what, what they found funny and interesting and humorous uh, uh, and engaging when they were just, you know, coming up in their careers is no different than, than, than what engages them today as executives. And we can't get caught up in the fear of, of communicating them in a way that's that's relaxed and friendly and upbeat and, uh, and, and uses some, you know, creative techniques to sort of make an impression. That's a great story, Rod. All right. Well, Rod, thank you for joining me today. It was a, a definite pleasure to have you on and uh, hopefully you can join us again. I'd love to do that. I really appreciate you having me. And for anyone listening in the Boston area, I sure hope you join us the next time we host a summit in the area. You can stalk us online, and it's okay if you tell us about it, at uh, strategicmarketingsummit.com. That does it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 